listening to First Church Charlotte. Man, it's good to be here. I am traveling today um, just from a few hours away with my two daughters, Miss Hannah and Miss Libby. If you're wondering who those two beautiful girls were, I'm glad that they're here with me. Man, we had a good, we had a good time at the first service. Y'all, why y'all leaving? <laughs> Just brought me down. I'm over here crying. I'm like, why do I care so much if they're leaving? <laughs> hurt me deep. <laughs> y'all are going to be blessed. Amen. But we had a great time in the first service. And um, I, in between, I w- went back to... Th- check on on my church and there was a text from a young lady that was going to come and I just said hey did you make it she said yeah she showed me a picture of the service and then I opened up Facebook and I saw a picture of Charla or posted a picture of some did anybody see that anybody follow your pastor's wife okay maybe she needs to accept your friend request I don't know but I saw this picture of a pastry shop who saw that and in the first service, I had made a joke that let's all say hello to Pastor Nathan and, and Pastor Charla. So let's just do that right now. Hello, Pastor Nathan. Because I thought they'd be watching because Nathan can't get enough of this good preaching. So now I'm envisioning them with all those treats, those whatever it is. I don't know where they are. Somewhere gallivanting, like you said. And uh, they're probably having a nice cup of coffee. Isn't it the evening there? I mean, I don't know what's going on. Why? I don't know what they're doing, but I feel like they're watching right now. So I just want to say congratulations on, is it, is it a wedding? A wedding? Is it a, it's an anniversary. How many years? 45 years. Man, that's awesome. What an incredible... What an incredible challenge that they've overcome. God is good. I love Pastor Nathan, and I love this church, and there's so many good people in this church, and um, love the elders. Good to see you, and uh, there's so many people in this church that have been a blessing to us, and I'm so thankful for that, and I look forward to connecting with you after, if you would like to do that. If not, we'll see you next time. God is good, and I believe that the God that is good that we were singing about and how many enjoyed worship service today, man, that God is in this place today. God is in this place today. Tell your neighbor, God is in this place today. And I believe that in this atmosphere, in the presence of God, I do believe, I truly believe that miracles can happen in this room. Amen? I believe that people's lives can be changed today in this room. I believe that there are families that are in this room that God is going to do a work in your family today. I believe there are new families that are coming in to this place. I believe that this is a place, this is a place where where God meets with people, where the lonely and the hurting and the lost and, and the messed up and the sinner and the rich and the poor and, and every demographic and every person that calls Charlotte their home, they can come into this house and they can meet the presence of God here because God is moving in this place. And I believe that they're coming and I believe that God is going to do something great. Amen. God is in this place. Sometimes we need to pause and just realize and say, I thank God for this place. Would you stand with me today all over this room and lift your voice and say, I thank God for this place. Amen. Let's pray it right now. Would you pray with me, Lord, all over this room today? 
Whatever the need is, whatever the heart is, whatever, whatever God is represented in every family and every pew, God, we know that you can do your work. You can do so many different things at the same time. So all over this room, Lord, we're praying that your presence would flow, that your spirit would minister, that the word would go forth and, and would get into the heart of somebody. They would leave encouraged. They would leave blessed. They would leave challenged. They would leave with the miracle. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we're believing today. Someone say, I believe. Come on, shout it. I believe. Nice. Say, I believe. Hey, amen. God is here. Man, he's here. I'm going to tell you right now, if I had a church like this, we'd probably never get to the preaching. That's right. Someday. 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 God's going to do it. But I've got news for you. God has much more for this church than you're experiencing right now. God has much more for us, and I'm believing for the miraculous. I'm believing for a harvest in this church and in our church and in every church that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. One more time, lift your hands and say, I thank God for this place. Amen. You can be seated today. I want to I wanna start today by just reminding every person in this room, in case you've forgotten, Jesus is the one that said, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And I want to just focus in on the word life. Jesus said that he is the life. Everybody say life. Everybody say life. If you're dead this morning, guess what? Jesus is the life. If you feel a little down today, like you got no life in your body, I want you to know that Jesus is the life. And if you could just get around him, your outlook is going to change. Amen. Amen. As long as you have Jesus, you still have life. Amen. How many are down today? A little down. Anybody want to admit it? A little down? Maybe you're a little out. Maybe you had a tough week. I want you to know, as long as you have Jesus, you still have life. You might be down, but you are definitely not out. Amen. You're not out. As long as you have Jesus, you have life. You may feel weary today from the ups and the downs of just the daily grind of life. But as long as you have Jesus, somebody say, I've still got life. You may be sick in your body and the prognosis may not be what you wanted to hear. But as long as you have Jesus, you still have life. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Man somebody here you might feel like man I'm about to die in these circumstances I'm about to die where I am I can't take it another day I feel oppressed and depressed and all the all the things that end with pressed and you feel all of that but I want you to know as long as you have Jesus as long as you can come in to a house of God and gather with a group of believers and you can sing the way you did a few minutes ago when we were singing it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm really surrounded by him. I want you to know as long as you can keep coming into his presence and worshiping him from your heart and connecting with him, man, you still have life. Look at someone and say, you still got life. So we're going to get into this incredible story in, in the scripture, and, and we're going to learn something about Jesus today. I hope, I hope we do. And um, I'm going to give you a hint. It's going to be on the screen right behind me right now. Jesus is the life of the party. Amen. 
Everybody say, he's the life of the party. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, NIV reads like this. On the third day, a wedding took place in, at Cana in Galilee. And some of you may know this story, but don't tune out. Just try to learn something. Hopefully, we can all learn something today. And, and this wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. They've, they've got no more wine. And, and it's kind of funny how Jesus responds to her. He says, he says, woman, how many of you have ever said woman? I had a beautiful home, so off topic, but I had a beautiful home and I recently sold it. But about two and a half years ago, the girl's bathroom was right above the kitchen and, and their bathroom was up there and there was some type of leak above the faucet. They didn't seal it properly when they put the shower in. So water was coming down. Eventually it made a, it made a, you know, a wet spot. And, and so I cut it out one day. I'm like, I want to get that, man. I want to get that. You just got married? Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> this is what you have to look forward to. I said, I'm going to take care of that. So I cut that thing out. Oh, yeah, I identified where it was coming from. I fixed the shower. And for, <laughs> and for two years, that thing was wide open, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Right in the kitchen. Like, and luckily, it was like a 10-foot ceiling, so a lot of people didn't really see it. My wife would point it out to everyone, though, and be like, yeah, John, John's going to fix that. <laughs> There were so many times, though, that she would come to me and, and she would say, when are you going to fix that? And I would say, woman, this is not the hour. My time has not come. I'm like, it's on my list. So you fast, I finally fixed it like the week we moved out of that house. I had to fix it for closing. So we get out to our new property and we're just enjoying life so much. And I'm just walking to the kitchen one day and I glance up and there's like this little like spot on the ceiling right in the kitchen. And I'm like, man, that's odd. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch that for a couple days, which was actually like three or four months. And it kept getting bigger and bigger. So I, 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 I cut a hole and literally, literally. And guess where the water's coming from? The girl's bathroom. Same exact thing, literally the same exact thing, dripping down, and I cut that hole, and, to, and my wife has been on my case for the last two months. When are you going to fix that? When are you going to fix that? And sometimes I just say, I'm trying to be like Jesus, and, and I look at her, and I said, I said, woman, why are you involving me? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this is funny stuff. Jesus looks at his mother, and he says, woman, why do you involve me? In other words, what's this got to do with me? This is not my wedding. This is not my wine. This is not my problem. Why are you getting me involved? And, and he says, my hour has not yet come. And his mom responds, his mom responds, and she says to the servant standing there, do whatever he tells you. So this is an interesting story. We're going to get into it. Jesus takes a look around the room, and, and he scans his surroundings. And verse 6 says this, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each one of them holding 20 to 30 gallons. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets this idea, and there's like this little twinkle in his eye. And maybe he gets a grin on his face, and a light bulb goes off above his head. And, and then this happens in verse 7. Verse 7 
Jesus said to the servants, fill the water, uh, fill the jars with water, excuse me. And so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants that had drawn the water, they knew where it came from. <laughs> then he called the bridegroom aside. And in verse 10, he says, hey, man, listen, everybody, everybody brings out the choice wine first. And, and then they bring out the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best until now. What's wrong with you? In verse 11, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs. Everybody read that with me. Through which he revealed his glory. Everybody read that with me. Through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. What an amazing story from the life of Jesus. So I want us to open up our hearts and I want us to open up our minds and I want us to learn something about Jesus. And if you can today, uh, take a few notes, write a few things down. You are going to remember what you write down. I'm always telling my church this and some people refuse to write down a note, much like many of you today, refuse to write down a note. But have you ever noticed in school, it's always that student that's writing the notes that all those other students are calling. Hey, man, can I get your notes? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So I'm always telling my church, I give them a bulletin. All, all the points are always in the bulletin. Write this down, write this down, write this down. And then one day I was preaching recently, and at the very end of Revelation, Jesus says, write these things down. And I was like, there I go again, trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> write something down today. Maybe it's something I'm not going to say, but I promise you that God is speaking to every person as, as a group, but God is also speaking to you individually, and he may be saying, hey, I want to teach you something, so I encourage you, write something down. So I want to pull out six thoughts today or observations from this story, and, and the first one is this, and I don't want anybody to be shocked here, and, and don't be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. Don't be shocked at the very first statement, but the first observation I have about the story that we just read is this. Number one, Jesus was at the party. Everybody say, Jesus was at the party. Jesus. That's interesting to me. That's interesting. Y'all just got married, I just heard. W wouldn't you love it if Jesus was at your wedding party? I mean, wouldn't you love it, church, if, if you had a party this week and, and they're getting all excited because your cousins are coming or whatever, but Jesus is coming. It would be so awesome if he was at your party or your wedding or at your event. I want you just to let that sink in. Don't like go over that too quickly. Jesus was at the party. Sometimes we, we think of Jesus in one way. Or, or a few different ways, but it's really serious Jesus. We, we think cross Jesus, right? Cross Jesus. We think ministry Jesus. We think healing the sick Jesus. We think walking on water Jesus. We think uh, there's Jesus over there. Look at that serious look on his face. Oh, 
oh, he's casting out a devil. We, we see that. We, we see Jesus instructing the multitudes. But in this story, in his first miracle, we see him here, and he took some time out of his schedule to go to the wedding. And, and the reason why this is important this morning for you is because when you read the stories of Jesus, when you read these chronicles, when you read the, this, the synopsis of his life, and it, it informs us, and it teaches us, and we're able to learn from it. So it lets us know today that that Jesus was at that party. So it lets me know, and I'm going to communicate it to you, that Jesus will absolutely show up in your life if you will be a person that will make an invitation and say, here you go, Jesus. I want you to be here. I want to break it down for you. You need to be the kind of person that says, Jesus, you're invited into our family dinner. Jesus, you're invited into my marriage. Jesus, you're invited into how I'm raising these kids. Jesus, you're invited into how I do business. You're invited into all the important things in my life. Jesus, I want you to be there. And Jesus proves that if he gets an invitation in the mail, can you see him there at the mailbox? This is pre-COVID, so the mail got there pretty quick. <laughs> they sent it out. He got it on time. He opens it up. He's like, oh, yeah. Y'all want to go to that? Yeah, we're going to go to that. He RSVPs. I'll be there with 12. <laughs> 13 of them. 13. 13. They saw Jesus walking up. They're like, I don't mean this disrespectful. They were like, bro, we invited you. <laughs> You brought brought all these guys? Okay. So he desires to be a part of the things that matter to us. He wants to be a part of our lives. He was at the party. Don't forget he was at the party. Now, here are some things that you should know about the party. This was a seven-day long celebration. Everybody say seven days. Started on a Sunday, ended on Saturday night. Seven days. If your wedding reception was seven days, you guys would be paying it off for the next 200 years. Thank you for getting married. This is so perfect today. I feel like there's going to be more and more illustrations, so get ready. We would all be broke trying to pay off that type of reception in 2022. I mean, dear God, I was in, I was in Pennsylvania last, a few weeks ago, and, I was, and I, the, the girls, Libby and my niece, uh, my niece, they were like, let's go to McDonald's. And I'm like, I don't go to McDonald's. I know it looks like I do, but I don't. It's just disgust. It disgusts me. It literally disgusts me. Sorry if you love McDonald's. And, and, and I was like, Libby, you're not getting anything. Like, we're on a budget. I didn't say that, but basically, my niece was like, I want chicken nuggets. My mom gets, and it was $10. It was like $9.89. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's out of control. This was a seven day long deal where they were partying and feeding people chicken nuggets. You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't like our weddings where you, where, where you go to, the, the, you go to the, the, the ceremony, then you walk across to the, the gymnasium, and you can't wait to get out of there so you can go and get some real food. This was a literal feast. This was a protracted or extended festival. This was a real party. Friends and family and guests and moms and dads and grandparents, cousins. Uh, and then I was imagining, as I, I was imagining, there's some wedding crashers that got in there. Like some guys were walking down the street, and they saw it, and they just kind of like slid right in there like hey yeah oh yeah man bob's a great guy him and him and melissa they make a great couple we're so glad to be here we've we've known them for a uh, man 
20 seconds. We just met them, but man, they're awesome. And this place was packed out with friends, family, people from all over. And I want you to know that they were there and they were celebrating. We're going to read about it in a second. They were celebrating. And right in the middle of this celebration, right in the middle of this unbelievable, joyous time, we find Jesus and he's sitting over there hanging out with his disciples. Y'all got it? So that's an observation that I'm making so that it can open up your mind. Jesus was at the wedding party. Listen to this. The Wycliffe Bible Encyclopedia says this. The typical Jewish wedding took place at night. And as soon as any members of the wedding party spotted the moving torches that signaled the groom's approach, their cry began to echo through the streets. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. Wycliffe says this. Mirth or, or rejoicing or laughter. They were excited. They were pumped up, just like we are at weddings when we're throwing the rice and getting all pumped up. It was mirth and gladness that announced their approach to the townspeople who were waiting in houses along the route to the bride's house. Upon hearing the announcement, the excited bride would stop everything in order to slip into her wedding dress and complete her final personal preparations for marriage. Rather than the groom entering the bride's house, the bride would come out to meet him. The two, accompanied by their wedding party, would return together to the groom's home for the marriage ceremony. Following the public ceremony, the newlyweds would then enter the bride's chamber to be intimate with each other for the first time. After this union, the groom would come out and he would come out and he would say, our marriage is now consummated. <laughs> this is what they did. And there was some other stuff that they did with the fathers that is so different from what we do. But that's how they would get married in this time. And after he would say, we are married, we are joined together that no man can separate. With this really great news, Wycliffe says, after they heard it, the wedding party then began this festive seven-day celebration. After a time of privacy, the groom would present his bride to everyone in attendance, and the newlyweds would join the guests at the wedding feast. That's what's going on in this story when it says that Jesus was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And this gives us a picture of what is happening. And let me say it one more time because I want to I say it so much that when you go to bed tonight, uh, all you can hear in your mind is Jesus was the life of the party. Jesus was at the party. Jesus was at the party. He was, he was there and he was with the people. Yeah. 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 He was with the people. He was where the needs were. He, he could have said, no, I can't make it. I got synagogue or I've got to go over here and, and I've got to do a couple of parables and I got to really show some, some, some of this and some of that or I've got other kingdom business to take care of. No, no, no. Jesus was where the people were. He was hanging out with them. He was mingling with the people. He wasn't being uh, grouchy. Come on. Look at someone and say, stop being so grouchy all the time. Come on, husbands, now's your chance. Like, wives, tell that man, stop being so grouchy. Even Jesus went to the party. So if you want to be more like him, like lighten up a little bit. He was the life of the party. The second observation. Number two, there was a need. It's interesting to me what, what Mary told Jesus in verse three. She said, um, Jesus, they have no more wine. That's what she said. Jesus, they have no more wine. Full stop, period. Period. 
Notice what she didn't say and what she didn't ask. She didn't say, Jesus, they have no more wine. And Jesus, would you mind helping out with that? This, this was a transitional moment in the life of Christ. There was no precedent for what was about to happen. It wasn't like she was saying, well, you know, at the last wedding, they ran out and, and we, Jesus did this. So let's pull that old trick out of the hat and let's do that again. This was going to be the first miracle that Jesus ever did. And it's interesting to me, and it's interesting to me where Jesus decides to, to plant his flag and do his first miracle. It was at a party. I need to have like seven or eight observations. But it's very interesting that his first miracle was done at a party. So I believe that this was a transitional moment. Mary was also transitioning from being just a mother. Now she's transitioning to being a believer in her statement. When she says they have no more wine, she is also saying, I have faith that you're going to help out with that. And so there's a lesson in this for us. Sometimes in the presence of God, we just need to stop trying. And this is what I do a lot. I'm trying to figure everything out as a man. Like I'm trying to figure everything out, all the details. We just need to stop trying to figure it all out and just start declaring some things in the presence of God. We have no more wine. Hello? Jesus, I need a new job. How many of you are super pumped up about your job this week? How many of you thought like, man, I, I would sure like to have a little bit better quality of life with a, a little bit better company, with a better environment? You ever thought that? What is stopping you from saying to God today, God, I, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I, I, I need a better job. And just let me throw that out there. Jesus, my mom's been sick for a while. My dad. My child, my son, my daughter, my coworker, like these people are lost every day and I'm, I'm trying to be salt and light, but, but I just want you to know that, that my coworker's lost. Yes. Come on now. What about, what about my resources? My resources are gone. They're dwindling. They're gone with every trip to McDonald's, like they're going down and down and down. <laughs> Thank God we can laugh at it. This continues on much longer. Whew. Man, there are people whose resources are gone. What about instead of fretting in that moment, which is what we typically do, and we live in fear, and we're afraid, and we're depressed, and all these things are coming. What if you just came to God today and say, hey, my resources are gone? And the response of Jesus in verse, verse 4 is interesting. Jesus knew what she was saying. He knew what was about to happen. And, and he said to her, he said to her, he was like, hey, why, why are you involving me in this? My hours has not, not yet come. And, and this leads me to my next thought, observation number three. Whenever, you, whenever you're talking to somebody, and in specifically when we're talking to God, it's about the faith that you have in the person you're talking to. Amen. 
when you're talking to God, like you could come to me or some others and say, hey, I have this insurmountable problem in my life. You could tell me about it all day. There's probably not much I can do about it. But when you're talking to God, you, you got to talk a little bit different. You got to you got to mix that in with some faith. And when she said they have no more wine, she was saying much more than they have no more wine. There's a difference. She uh, she could she could have said to Don first name. Sorry. Pastor Don. Big dog. Hey, man, they got no more wine. They got they have no more wine, Nathan. Libby, they have no more wine. She could have told 100 people. Chad, they have no more wine. Bishop. I'm going to go the first name with that. Sorry. Smart, smart guy. Smarter than I look. They have no more wine. You could you can tell a hundred people they have, but when you're talking to Jesus, there's something different about that. So don't tell Jesus about your problems the way you tell the rest of us. Mix some faith in there. They have no more wine. And and this next observation, it's it's interesting when you have the faith that you need in the person that you're talking to. So in this story, I think about that. And number three is the hearing and the obeying of the voice of God. There's something about hearing and obeying the voice of God. In verse five, something very funny happens. Mary completely ignores Jesus. After he says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. She completely ignores. She doesn't even, she just ignores him. She doesn't respond to it. And I, and I, I told a lot of stories about Jesus ignoring people, and it's dawned on me. Jesus, he got that from his mom. He comes by it naturally. Like, he just ignored people sometimes. Like, he just ignored them. So Mary, Mary ignores Jesus, and she just turns to the servants. He's like, woman, why are you involved? This is not my problem. She's like, whatever. Like, in her spirit. I don't think she said that, but she would like, maybe she rolled her eyes like... Everybody try that real quick. Like just she turns immediately to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. And sometimes as servants, as servants, and I'm and I'm trying to bring many different angles of this story to you. But sometimes as servants, we just need to be servants that stop asking questions and and just recognize and hear the voice of God and just be willing to do whatever he tells us to do. You have to understand what Jesus was about to tell them was not going to make any sense until after the miracle takes place. But before the miracle, before the miracle ever happened by faith, Mary turns in this transitional moment. He had never done a miracle before. She turns and and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. So my question to First Church this morning and to every person here that has a need in your life today, something that's weighing on you, something that's coming against your family, maybe as a church, something that's coming against us. uh, The question is this, in order to receive your miracle, are you ready and are you willing to do whatever he tells you to do? Are you willing? The next observation, number four, use what you've got. Use what you've got. Use what you've got. Use what you get. Everybody's always looking. Man, I'm getting a ton of illustrations right now. Everybody's always looking for something else to accomplish what's right in front of them. How many of you men play golf? Oh, I'm going to go off the rails right here. Man, golfers are the worst. They are the worst. I was an avid golfer for 24 years, I think. 
And then one day I just like turned the light switch off. Just like I'm an avid ping pong player. Y'all got to experience some of that, you know? I was an avid golfer. Like just, man, I was playing everywhere, just playing up and down, just doing anything you can to play golf. I was what they call addicted to it, right? And uh, it just amazed me. It amazed me. It amazed me. You go out with friends and other, got this new driver. After, after like four years of not playing, I think I played one time about two years ago and I haven't played since then. I got a buddy of mine, Johnny Larson. He's going to come down in, 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 <laughs> in June and we're going to go golfing for a couple of days. It just, I said, hey man, why don't you come down? He said, okay, I want to book a flight. And on the way down here yesterday, he gave me his deal. And while I was talking to him, he said, yeah, my wife just bought me a new driver. And I'm just, my mind went all the way back to, I hope he is watching. My mind went all the way back to when we were kids. It was always a new driver, the persimmon. It was the ping persimmon. It was this, it was that. But it's never helped him at all. <laughs> it's never helped him. If you know how to play golf, man, you can pretty much get by with some junk. It's about the player. <laughs> man, it's so true. I'm telling you right now, it's true. I got a bunch of other illustrations in my head too, but I'm going to forego those. <laughs> man, just, I want to tell Johnny when I call him after church, man, just use what you got, man. Don't go buying a bunch of new clubs thinking you're going to come down here and beat me. You ain't going to beat me. I'm going to use my 10-year-old clubs and I'm going to whoop you. I'm going to use what I got. And, and, and then the story, it's like, well, use what you've got. We're looking for something, for someone else uh, to accomplish what God has asked us to do. Verse 5 and 6, it lets us know what was needed for the miracle. is already in the house. His mother said to the servants in verse 5, do whatever he tells you. Nearby, there were six stone water jars, the kind used for ceremonial washing. They held 20 to 30 gallons. And I want to tell this church today what you need for your miracle, what this church needs for growth. What this church needs for your blessing is already in this house right now. It's in this room. It's in this place. It reminds me of Moses after he made a bunch of excuses about, about, about uh, the calling of God and how he couldn't do this and that. And he couldn't do what God wanted him to do. He had excuses. God says to him, hey, man, what's in your hand? Something I'm very familiar with. Something I've used for a long time. I have a staff in my hand. And God says, okay, perfect. I can, I can use that. And, and, and we pull from that story what we need for revival and harvest and to live an overcoming life and to be effective in this world as salt and light is all ready in this house today. You and me, all of us together, believing and doing what God says. We can accomplish more than we ever thought possible, but we've got to learn to use what we've got. Tell your neighbor, use what you've got. Number five. Number five, and this can be applied to every area of your life. Number five, you have to be willing to work hard. You've got to be willing to work hard. Sometimes you're going to have to work for your miracle. I told the first service, if you're going to have a successful marriage, you are going to have to work at your marriage. If you're going to have a successful business, you are going to have to get up and go to work when others don't want to go to work. The business owner gets up at 5 a.m. The employee shows up at 9 a.m. If you're going to be successful at anything, you are going to have to say, I am willing to work. And Jesus, in verse 7, tells the servants, fill the jars with water. Man, you mean I have to do something for my blessing? 
I have to do something for my miracle? Yes. Man, there's so much teaching right here. Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness, but he still had to leave. He still had to walk. He still had to go. He still had to pull up roots and get it done. You can't just say I have faith. James came in and he taught us. Show me your works and I'll believe you have faith. We have to be willing to work. We have to be willing to get our hands dirty. And so just in a moment of just freedom, which is what we all want. I want you to look at the person next to you as seriously as you can. And in the context of this church and what the mission of this church is, I'm going to talk to the church. Some of you are new. Maybe you don't know quite yet what's tr- what God is trying to do here. I'll just break it down to you. No matter which church you're in, God is trying to use the church to reach more and more people with the gospel. So that's pretty simple. But I want you to look at the person next to you and just tell them, get up and start filling the jars. Man, just get up and start. What? We got to fill jars? Yeah. I bet there was one or two servants like, oh, come on, man. We've been working all day. Now, hey, get up, man. We're filling up jars. That's what the rabbi said to do. Sometimes as a church, we just need to be willing to say, okay, filling jars, that's not the, the most fun thing. But if that's what you want us to do, God, then that's what we'll do. Now, if it was 2022, we would just head over to the sink and fill them up, or we'd drag the hose in from outside and fill them up. But verse, verse 6 reminds us, nearby, there were, there were six stone water jars. And, and man, we've come a long way. Now, now we got Tupperware. But these were stone water jars, and these were the kind that were used for ceremonial washing. Each, each held 20 to 30 gallons, six water pots. That's up to 180 gallons of water per jar. Guess what? That's... <laughs> That's a lot of wine. Yes. That was another observation that I just made. Like, that, that's a good observation. That was a lot of wine. <laughs> Bishop, you're going to have to clear all that up for me. I don't know. But I'm saying, Jesus turned water to wine. I don't know what kind of wine it was, but it was a lot. Whatever it was, it was like, what? Who's a, who's a math genius in here right now? Who's a, who's a math genius? Who has a calculator? I mean, let's just go with that route. Apparently, there are no math geniuses here. What is six times 180? 1,080. Yeah. Wow. 1,080 gallons of wine. Let that sink in. Oh, man, here comes another observation. Isn't that just like God, whatever he does, just to do it in abundance? I mean, just... Come on, man. We could have just sat maybe two gallons would have maybe. I mean, 180 times six, whatever that was, a thousand something or other. Yeah, I mean, that's just over the top. That's what God does. And, and they, there, there it is. And, and, and the water, it, we have to understand as we look at the story, it didn't come the way that we think it came. The water didn't come from the sink. They didn't drag the hose into the house. It came from the well that was outside and down the dirt path. 
Hello? You, you can be a person that prays for your miracle and declares your miracle, miracle, but are you a person that is willing to perspire for your miracle? You may have to work. You may have to get your hands dirty. You may have to show up when you don't want to because miracles happen when we are obedient, when we hear the voice of God and we're obedient and we're like, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Count me in. What an amazing story, right? But what is the purpose? What is the purpose behind this miracle? Was it just so that people could have more wine? No. Was it so that the party could carry on with more myrrh and gladness? So that people could just, that was the best party ever. Did you go to that wedding? Yeah, I went. Maybe that's part of it. I, I, I kind of believe that it was. I mean, Jesus is there. His disciples are there. Like, this is what they did. He, he accepted the invitation. So I bet that was, well, I don't bet, but I bet that was part of it. I bet that was part of it. Jesus was like, oh, I can take care of it. Man, we're, y'all, we're going to have a great time. Don't worry. There's going to be plenty to drink, and it's all going to be okay. But, but the real purpose behind this miracle, it goes much deeper than what just happened uh, there that you could see. The real purpose behind is my last observation today. The purpose was this. Number six, let Jesus be seen clearly. It was so that Jesus could be seen clearly. Yeah. We're going to read verse 8 through 11. He told them, draw the water out, take it to the master. They did it. And the master of the banquet tasted it, and it it had been turned into wine. He was shocked. He didn't realize where it came from. And he he went to the servants, and and they knew where it came from, but but he didn't. And so he he calls the bridegroom aside, and he says, hey, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best until now. And in verse 11, this is where we see see the purpose. And this is where we see the reason what Jesus did here in verse 11 in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. This was the first of the signs. This was the first miracle he did for the express purpose of revealing his glory. And his disciples looked on this miracle. Maybe this is why he said, they just invited me, but I'm bringing the boys because something is going to happen there. And I'm going to show these guys what I can do. And I'm going to instill in them that God can do anything. And they're going to one day change the world. The reason that Jesus performed the miracle was so that people would begin to see him for who he was and they would begin to put their faith in him. And so many times the church, we make Jesus look a whole different way and we're we're trying to shape Jesus into a certain thing. But I want to just reveal today to you and anybody else you talk to this week, Jesus was at the party. He was there. That's who he was. He was there. He was there. Matter of fact, he did it so much they accused him of just hanging out with wine bibbers and gluttons. There's a lot of teaching in here. We would be here till at least three o'clock if I just kept going. How many want to stay till three? I'll just keep going. No, nobody does. But there's a bunch of stuff in here. He reveals his glory. Man, he reveals his glory so that they'll put their faith in him. Amen. 
the reason behind the miraculous power of God is so that people will put their faith in him. Amen. The reason why the church should hunger for the miraculous in your own life, not just so that you can have a miracle, so that you can be a living testimony walking in this world. A lot of you, you, you have a testimony. You're walking in this world. I'm a testimony. God did something miraculous in my life. And, and as you go, the glory of God is revealed to people through the things that, that he is doing in your life. Yeah. Amen. So he does the miraculous to reveal his glory so that they would believe in him and follow him. And I wonder today, is there anybody in this room, as the musicians come, is there anyone in this room that is ready for God to reveal his glory in your life? Man, God, I just want you to reveal your glory in my family. God, I want you to reveal your glory in this church today. Is there anybody here today that's ready for the man that said, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life of this party? Don't get it crooked. I am the life of this party. You might have thought I was just sitting over here in the corner, but hey, the life is in this room, and this party is going to be the best party you've ever been to. We want the life of the party to show up and reveal his glory in our circumstances. Sometimes we don't see the miraculous because we're afraid to work. Oh, man, we're afraid to work. We're afraid to get them hands dirty. We're afraid to do what God asks us to do. We're afraid to believe when we, when we look around. And, man, this is a big problem in churches. Everybody's looking around all the time. And instead of saying, yes, sir, I'll get the pots. And yes, sir, I'll fill them up. We're looking around. Well, over that church over there, well, it looks a lot better over there. (sighs) What we have in this house, it's not enough. But what they have, oh, that's going to be good enough for our family. We're just afraid to, to look inside and say, you know what? What we have is good enough to revolutionize this neighborhood. What we have is good. What's in this house is good enough to fill up the 9 a.m. service and fill this service up. Amen. Amen. We have to believe what we have in our hands is good enough. Sometimes we don't, though. But the good news is today the message is not about you. I didn't come here preaching. Don Dixon is the life of the party. John Moran is the life of the party. It's not about us. Like the whole point of preaching today. It's about him. It's about him. So the the message is get your eyes off of me. Get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes off of looking around and looking at everything that's wrong with the church. I've got news for you. There's something wrong with every church. People that people that are just always pointing out what's wrong with the church. They're usually the ones that never see what's wrong with themselves. Man, there's something wrong. I'm just going to tell you, there's something wrong with me. There really is. Like, this is not a perfect place. These are not perfect people. Your pastor is not a perfect pastor. Bishop's perfect, but... This is not a perfect place. But God is in this place. He's working with a bunch of people, a bunch of servants that would say, I'll do it. Six, all six? All right, we'll do it. You said water, right? At the well at the end of the road? Okay. That's going to take us a little bit. We'll be back in about two hours with that. How many are willing to say, I'll, I'll, I'll do it? Count, count me in. 
Get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes on him. Today, every person with a need in your life, number one, all all I want you to do at the end is we come together and we close. Put your faith in Jesus today. Don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in your pastor. Don't put your faith in the bishop. Don't put your faith in your bank account. Don't put your faith in maybe the doctor's going to come through. Don't put your faith in maybe your boss will come through in a year and give you. Put your faith in Jesus today and just go into his presence and declare, I have no more wine. Number two, listen to his voice. Number three, be obedient to what he says. Number four, use what's in your hands. Number five, work hard. Work hard. Doesn't that sound fun? Work hard. And then after you do all that, what what would happen if we were just a church that did those things? And we rose up and we did those things. And then we just let the glory of God be revealed. And we let people see Jesus clearly for who he is. And when we do that, people will begin to have more and more faith. And people will be attracted to the miraculous. And then they will hear the gospel. And God will grow this church. In the name of Jesus, stand with me today all over the room. We're going to finish right here. We're going to bring our needs today. We're going to bring our needs, and, and, and we're going to speak faith today, and, and we're, going to, we're going to speak to God, and we're going to say, this is what's happening, God, in my life, and I believe I'm going to mix it with faith. This is what's happening, and I believe you can do something about it, and, and we're going to worship him together, and we're going to connect with him, and we're going to worship him in this moment, and, and just believe God right now. We're ready, Lord. Come on, somebody pray it. We're ready to hear your voice, Lord. Come on. Somebody pray it. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. Somebody pray it. God, I'm ready for you to show up in my life. I'm ready for your glory to be revealed. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here it is. Singers, I want you to get ready to sing. All over this room, what I want to do right now, those that have the capacity, those that have the faith, those that are in a desperate enough situation, I want you to come. I want you to approach just right around the front. I want you to take a step of faith and walk towards the platform and say, Jesus, here I come. And don't wait till you get up here. Start telling him on the way up here, hey, hey, I got no more wine. Hey, I need a better job. Hey, my marriage needs, is there anybody in this room where I'm not preaching to a bunch of whole people? Is there anybody that needs something from God? I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. Those that would take a step of faith. That's right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Lord, this is what I need. 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 Join me. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.